Ah, it's great, like, you know. But, like, I suppose it's like everybody says the next one is the best one, like, you know, so you're never kind of happy, you know. I think if you're not nervous, you won't perform or your players won't perform. I think it's, it's part of the thing. At this level, the enjoyment is when it's over, you know. There's actually no great enjoyment before or during. No, still you wouldn't, you wouldn't like not to be there. But there isn't enjoyment or fun as such. That's that's when it's over. No, I stress you. You still want to be there, like you know, and go through the agony. But it's when it's over that the fun and enjoyment is. I know whether that makes sense or not. And it's very, it's very transitory. It's gone and. It's gone to a quarter of an hour, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's great. How's she going to like, to Arts and Donald? Uh, like, people actually are out. Outland the lads are right, like, for the undera, you know. Don't give up, don't give up to the sober. What is Devin Jenny doing? Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport editor Kieran McCarthy. As you'll have heard from that intro, today's podcast is a special tribute episode to the late great Eamon Ryan who sadly passed away last week. A big thank you to Jerome Quinn from the Ladies Football Association who conducted the great interview used for that intro back in 2015. And Kieran, listening to old interviews with Eamon over the last few days and reading the tributes across the Irish media, it's clear he was much more than just a football coach. He was a philosopher, a visionary, a motivator, and so much more than that as well. Yeah, Jack, I think you can see from all the tributes that have been paid to him and Ryan just how highly people held him. Um, an incredible, incredible man, an incredible career in the GA. But what's very telling is his impact on everyone he came in contact with outside of football as well. Like you, you'll hear now from Marina Buckley and Nolly Cleary in Ohio. Obviously, he was their manager for so many years at the Cork Ladies football team. But how Eamon Ryan impacted their life outside of football is quite remarkable too. So that's very telling of the man that Eamon Ryan was, that he did have that impact on so many people's lives on and off the pitch. Um, it's it's obvious that he made such a huge uh, impact with Cork Ladies football. In Mary White's um, brilliant book, Relentless, I think she described him as the mastermind that took Cork Ladies football from ruins to glory. And he did that. Um, when he came on board, Cork Ladies football at senior level hadn't won anything. Yet within 11 years, they had 10 All-Irelands, 10 National League Division One titles, um, 10 Munster Championship titles. An incredible record, an incredible consistency for over a decade as well. But I think it's very important too, Jack, to, to remember that there was a lot more to Eamon Ryan's GA career 
then Justice Ladies Football chapter. He, he was a player with Cork back, back in the day. He was manager of the Cork senior men's football team for a spell in the early 1980s. And he was he was training the team when Tyg Murphy scored that famous goal to beat Kerry in the 1983 Munster final. Um, as, as well as that, he was in charge of the, the, the Cork minor footballers for, for a couple of seasons as well. And I think there was... There was All-Ireland minor titles in 91 and 93. Um, at club level, he was involved in various clubs too. He led the Pierce to senior county hurling titles in 1990 and 95. Um, his club was, was Water Hill too, and he did great things there. So that just showed right across the years, right across his GA career, Eamon Ryan contributed so much to so many clubs and so many people right across the GA spectrum. Um, he'll be best remembered for his spell in charge of the... Cork Ladies footballers and we've spoken before about how he transformed Cork Ladies football but as well as that he transformed ladies football in general and um, he gave ladies football a profile that it never had before because of his great Cork team and look at some of those players we've Rena Buckley and Nolly Cleary on chatting about Eamon Ryan quite soon talk about Breed Stack your Deirdre O'Reilly Deirdre O'Reilly sorry Valerie Mulcahy Elaine Hart like these are legends of ladies football and they became legends under Eamon Ryan's um, leadership. So an incredible man who leaves an incredible legacy behind him. And I think the best people to pay tribute to him are the likes of Nolly Cleary and Rena Buckley, who we're going to hear from quite soon. Yeah, well, lovely words, Kieran. And later in the show, we're going to be joined by Jer McCarthy, who'll share his memories of Eamon. But first, as you say, we're going to hear from two of the people who knew him best. Cork legends, Rena Buckley and Nola Cleary. Um, we're joined on the Star Sport podcast now by two Cork football greats, um, Rena Buckley and Nola Cleary, who we're going to chat about, I suppose, the life and times and legacy of the great Eamon Ryan. And first off, I just want to offer my condolences to both of you. I know Eamon had such a, a huge role in your football careers and even your life um, for, for so long. So our condolences to both of you. Um, been, I suppose, first, what have the last couple of days been like since Eamon passed away? Um, thanks, Kieran. Um, yeah, look, I suppose it's, um, I suppose it's a bit surreal in in COVID times. You know, it's, um, you know, if, you know, as everyone knows, and I suppose, unfortunately, funerals are are, are very different at the moment, um, and and because I suppose we haven't had a chance to meet up with Eamon in the last in the last 12 months basically I suppose we haven't we haven't seen him in a while and so I suppose when we got the news it was you know it was obviously it was very sad and it was very kind of lonesome and you know our condolences obviously to Pat and to to all the Ryan family and and I suppose look with the Cork Ladies football we had a really special gang and and Eamon often kind of described us as being kind of like sisters um, and I, I would say that there was certainly a very big family feel to the whole thing. It, it did feel like a, a family set up. Um, so I suppose like losing him and it, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a huge, huge loss for, for everybody. And, and certainly, you know, the gang that he had with Cork are, you know, we're, we're very lonesome after it. I suppose, look, it goes without saying that we're very grateful as well, the amount of time that Eamon has given to to many, many people, but in particular to, to the Cork Ladies football team, he's been, um, you know, his dedication was unbelievable and we're so, so grateful. 
you know, if he was that dedicated to us, he obviously didn't have as much time to put into to other things. And look, we're so grateful to Pat and to his family that, you know, he spent so much time with us and um, look, just our, our condolences to them. No, like what I've noticed over the last couple of days is there's been so many glowing and fitting tributes to Eamon and um, everyone speaks so highly of him. I suppose off the pitch for a second, um, what sort of man was he? Because everyone speaks of, of this gentleman, so kind, so so affectionate, so caring. Is that the Eamon you remember? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, as Rena covered it well there, and just also just offer my condolences to Pat and all of Eamon's family. Um, oh, Eamon was incredible. You know, I suppose really, he was the same off the pitch and on the pitch. You know, he was really kept everything simple, you know, real gentleman, you know, even on the pitch, off the pitch, there was never a harsh word, never, very rarely would Eamon criticise you. It was always praise, you know, he'd praise anything you did, he'd offer praise and, you know, he'd come around it then in his own way if he had, you know, some element of criticism to give, he'd give it in, in such a nice manner that you'd take it and you'd take it on from there. Um, and he was just... This was really, you know, highly intelligent man, well-educated man, well-read. Um, and he brought that on into his coaching as well, you know. I mean, there wasn't, I'd say, a sports psychology book or a book on a sports person that he hadn't read. And he brought so many, you know, of those quotes and different stories into training. And we thrived on that and, and every word that he said, really. Take me back to the very start, Rena, when Eamon Ryan came in as Cork Senior Ladies Football Manager that was at a time when Cork hadn't even won a Munster Championship, and I was looking through some of the stats there. Kerry had 14 Munster titles, Waterford had 10, Tip had 5, Clare had won, and Cork had none. I suppose at the time, in, in the early noughties, there was a good, there was good talent in Cork, good underage talent. So when Eamon came on board first, what was your first reaction to his appointment, and how much did you know about Eamon Ryan? Yeah, I'll have to be straight up here. I didn't know Eamon Ryan from, from Adam, to be honest about it. Um, and I, I think I read on Relentless that I think Juliet Googled him. I didn't even have the, the brains to do that at the time, I'm afraid. Um, and I actually remember the first training session I did with Eamon, it was inside in, in the farm. Um, and we hadn't much training done in the farm at that point. Eamon probably used the farm as our base. And I, if anyone knows the farm, you know, it's, it's the, the UCC grounds. So there's, I think maybe there is there three, three, uh, GA fields and there's a couple of rugby pitches. I remember, I suppose, Eamon kind of wanted to get a feel of what the panel was like and he sent us off for two rounds of the farm. And I remember thinking, my God, I don't know, will I, will I stick with this football crack at all? I may as well be doing athletics as this. Um, but I, I think to be fair, that was a, a very, very much once off and, and training went up and up from there. And um, look, I, I suppose, I knew very little about Eamon coming in. Um, and I suppose I was, I was quite young when he, when he did come in. And I suppose those early years, I suppose the specifics of them, I, I can't remember re very well. I remember him much, much better as an older player. But what I will say is that my parents say to me now that when I was 17 and 18, when I used to come home from Cork football training, I would say, guess what Eamon said to us today? And I used, I used to retell to them, all the stories that Eamon would have told us. And I, I used to be, you know, I, I used to be looking forward to training, looking forward to what Eamon would say. The training was tough, but it was, it was the way he framed it. It was hugely enjoyable. We were learning all the time. He was giving us information. He was developing us. And, 
while as a younger player, I didn't probably realise it. Um, it was something that I learned to really appreciate as I got older. Now, like Rina just mentioned there about Eamon as a coach, and we have an interview with Bridge Cork in this week's Southern Star, and she's talking about one of the early training sessions where Eamon used to say, two hands, one hand, look at the ball. It was kind of a, a kick and drill to kick the ball over the, the bar, and she's saying, Bridge was saying, that stuck with her for a very, very long time, and even now. What are your early memories of Eamon as a coach, and what did he do different? What did he, what did he do to get the best out of this Cork team? Um... God, I suppose it's hard to put your finger on any one thing. Um, th- just what you said, what Breach said there, the two hands, one hand, that's something that I'll, I'll take with me myself to the day I die, I'd say. I mean, Eamon must have said that every single session over and over again. And like, really, it was the fundamentals, the basics. I mean, I would say if you looked at our trainings, maybe from the beginning with Eamon to, you know, maybe my last year with Eamon, there was still some of the drills probably the same. And his focus was on, you know, speeding doing it at speed and improving all the time but he just kept it so simple and his message was always so simple um like I remember when I came on I didn't have a right foot to be known I suppose I hadn't played a whole lot of football when Eamon had called me up I was kind of more focused on the basketball and like Eamon spent so much time encouraging me praising me and telling me to work on my right foot the two hands one hand and I always remember um Eamon ringing me there maybe about two years ago just saying look that he was doing a coaching conference and he wanted to kind of you know remind people how important it was to work on your weak foot and on your weekend and he had said look that we had won two All-Irelands by a point and that I had scored a, a point off my right foot in each of those so it was just I suppose just you know the fact that he had encouraged me to work in it and it worked out you know that that was just summed up Eamon really. Just on that Rena, kind of as a coach like I was asking Nolik there like was there lessons that you learned from Eamon right at the start that that you can apply right now to, to, to any modern day football hurling team? Um, oh absolutely I suppose look the fundamentals of the game don't change at all you know um, and, and certainly you know if <laughs> I'm not sure if Breach mentioned that it was early on. He was on about the two hands, one hand, look at the ball. Definitely in his last training session, I'd say he mentioned that as well with us because, you know, he was on that one all the time, you know, and um, like Nolig mentioned there, his, um, you know, how much he put emphasis on the, on the fundamental skills of the game. And he definitely did that. And I, I think probably what made Eamon super was that he managed to, to marry that kind of with, um you know, making sure the players had a, a really, really good attitude. So having your fundamental skills right. So again, he, like from the very start to the present day, you know, your fundamental skills are crucial. And, and then making sure that everyone to an individual and the team and himself and the management team all had just, the, you know, the, a really, really good attitude, you know, feet on the ground and a huge appetite for work. Um, and Eamon loved talking about work rate. He, he might have framed it differently, you know, through different stories over the years, but making sure everyone had a huge appetite to work, um, th- that was crucial to him. And I suppose he lived it himself, the enthusiasm he brought himself to, to every training session um, was, was unbelievable. Like I was even thinking of him over the last few days and I was thinking, you know, in this time of year, January, February, I don't think Eamon once called off a training session and I remember driving into the farm Sunday mornings or Wednesday evenings and 
you know, it'd be absolutely pelting rain. And those are the days aimed to be there extra early, putting out the cones. And like you might be thinking on the way in, you know, maybe training will be pulled this evening. Like it was never, ever pulled. And, you know, aim and just live for that kind of just hard work, getting your attitude right. And then making sure that you had, you know, your, I suppose, your fundamental skills. And like Nolly was saying, that you were confident in yourself as well and confident in the group. And um, yeah, look, it's hard to, to say exactly, but th- those kind of things were were very much what he was about. And I touched on it earlier, no, like I said, obviously the, the unbelievable success that Eamon had as, as Cox Senior Ladies Football Manager, those 10 All-Irelands in 11 years. How did he keep you on your toes for, for so long? When a team is so successful like that, you'd expect the level to drop at some point. But your success was incredible, like you two five in a row. How did he keep you fresh, motivated, always wanting to come back, always wanting to train, always wanting to play for him? Yeah, and I suppose that's testament to him and himself, you know, that we were all just so hungry and just wanted to, you know, to, you know, you go to training, you'd want to impress him. And um, I don't know, I suppose it's, it's, it's hard to put your finger on it. I suppose every year he, he often came with a new message, you know, um, he'd have read some book maybe during that winter or spoken to somebody. And then throughout that season, he'd kind of carry that message and he'd mention it every now and then. And he just had this way of just getting everybody, you know, buying into exactly what he was saying. Um, and I think just one of the things with Eamon was he treated everybody the exact same. No matter if you had gotten an all-star the year before, you were player of the match the night before, you know, you'd come to training the next day and Eamon, he wouldn't even mention it. He'd no time for, I suppose, awards or achievements or, you know, dinners or these kind of things. He just wanted to be on the pitch. And whether you were a star player or just about making the panel, you were equal in Eamon's eyes and... I just think at training then, you know, everyone kind of bought into that and there was a great camaraderie and, you know, just a great sense of we were a team. And as Rena said, we almost felt like we were a family and that was totally spearheaded by Eamon. And you've got a great sense the last couple of days, Rena, of just how, how special Eamon was as, as, as a man and a manager. But I presume too, there was this steel to him as well. There had to be because, like we said there, he kept going for so long and he, he was in charge of a successful team for so long. And I presume he enjoyed winning as well. Like winning must have been a, a, an addiction for him, a bug to keep coming back year after year. Could you see that in Eamon, that, that he wanted to win? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, in those wet days, Eamon wouldn't be out in the field that early if he didn't want to win. Oh, he was... Um, he, he had a huge desire to, to win and, and probably a huge desire to kind of get the most out of his team, you know. Um, he wanted to get the most out of every individual that he had. Um, you know, that, and he wanted to make sure that you got the most out of every training session, that, you know, you weren't just saving yourself for the big day. You were, you were working all the time, all the time, so that when the big day came, you had the, you had the work done. And, um, like Eamon, look, he was certainly, like he's, he can be quite a gentle person and quite a caring person. But on the field, he's got a pretty kind of tough exterior as well. And, um, you know, he wouldn't take it, he wouldn't take it handy on you kind of at any stage, really. He'd make sure that, um, you know, that everybody was in, in top condition all the time. And, you know, he never kind of um, left us off kind of handy either. You know, there was, you know, training was always on. You know, the work that was laid out to be done at training, it was always done. And it was always done as well as it could possibly be. If you hadn't minded yourself or if you were feeling sorry for yourself, it was kind of tough luck, get on with it. Eamon wasn't going to be going around putting his hand around you or anything like that. He certainly would encourage you if, you know, if, um, 
if you were a bit, you know, if your confidence was down or anything like that, he would definitely give you encouragement. But he did have a tough exterior and he, he made sure that, you know, his team was very, very well prepared. I'll throw this one open to, to either one of you can feel free to answer this. Was, is there any, any game, any win, any Munster final win or All-Ireland victory that stands out in your mind that meant a lot to Eamon, that you have some strong memory of Eamon in the dressing room beforehand, in the celebrations after, anything, anything that comes to mind? God, Lorena, anything to, to mind for you there? Um, I don't know, really. Like, I mean, I suppose Raymond, you know, we'd, you'd win a game and he'd be on to the next game. So every game was, you know, as important as the next. You know, he was always looking forward. Um, I suppose, like, really, I suppose you'd have to say that the 2014 All-Ireland Final Arena when we came back against Dublin, I suppose that was something I, I'll always remember even in the dressing room after that, I suppose... You know, we, we were dead and buried at that stage. We weren't going to be, um, no one gives a hope of winning Dublin and we came out and beat them. And Eamon was just so proud of the team that day and so proud of the players. And, you know, he always said that it was the players that won that day. But, I mean, Eamon had given us, you know, the belief and the skills and the know-how how to, how to go and win that match that day. So I can just, I always remember Eamon in the dressing room after that match and just beaming from ear to ear. And he was just so proud of the whole team and, everybody how, how you know they come back to beat Dublin that day and no, like when you decided to step back from from Cork football and retire how did you tell Eamon Ryan and were you actually nervous going to Eamon to kind of make that call to say Eamon I, I'm thinking of stepping back what was that like yeah you know I suppose you know maybe I probably stayed on there longer than I should have but it was just so hard to walk away from it um, and it wasn't just about the football it wasn't about the winning it was just the feeling you had going to training and the feeling you had leaving training and the feeling from within the group. And, you know, I think that was just the hardest part to walk away from that. It was nothing to do with the football or the success that we had. It was just the group of friends and, and Eamon. And, and absolutely, it was so difficult telling him. But, you know, typical Eamon, he wasn't going to be convincing anyone to stay on. You know, he just, he was all about you as a person, what was best for you, um, you know, while he developed us so much as players, he equally had that interest in us off the pitch, you know, and in your personal life and how, you know, your career was going or college was going. And I know when I spoke to him about it, you know, he was fully behind it. And like I said, you know, he wasn't going to be around trying to convince me to stay. He knew that my time was done and he was, um, you know, he was happy for me as a person probably that I had come to that decision. But certainly it was a hard decision to make and a hard group of players to leave and you know it was hard I suppose leaving Eamon as well like and you know everything that we had uh, experienced with him. Nolik just mentioned there Rina, I suppose about that you, you, you off the field that Eamon had such an influence in you as well like for you, you were young young women when you started with the Cork football team and Eamon was such an integral part of your life for so so long how much of an impact did he have on you growing up off the field as well? Well, Eamon would have had a, a massive impact on us. Um, I suppose, first and foremost, I think how he probably carried himself had a huge impact on how we carried ourselves as a team and how we carried ourselves outside of the team. Um, and he really set a really, a, you know, an excellent example for us, you know. Um, and what, like, you know, we did have, in fairness, we, did, we had excellent success, but it was something that we kind of didn't take a whole pile of notice of and it came from him and he, he, he led the way there. And, you know, it's something that in hindsight, I know that, you know, we're very grateful for. 
And, and then I suppose the things he, he did say to us, you know, he'd often, you know, if he was, um, if we were about to play a game at training or, you know, do, do some, some play or some drill at, at training, he'd say, you know, he'd talk about the, the important aspect of hard work and he might open it up by saying, you know, he might talk about work and he'd say, it's the same in football, same in life, same in school, same in relationships. So he was always linking all of them together for us. You know, we didn't have to, to do that linking almost ourselves. So I suppose he set an example in the things he didn't say. And then the things he did say, he made sure to link it to more than football. That, you know, the, the, the skill set that you picked up in football in terms of your attitude was very important in the rest of your life as well. And, you know, that was obvious to, to everyone involved. Eamon stepped away after the 2015 season, Rena, but you stayed on for one more season, 2016, under Ify Fitzgerald, and that was a great season for Cork football too, another All-Ireland. But what was it like for you, having, having learned so much under Eamon, having played under him nearly your entire Cork career, to go into a Cork football team that was managed by someone else that, that wasn't Eamon Ryan? Yeah, I suppose it was a little bit different, all right, yeah. Um, as we, we'd become very used to, used to Eamon's ways, and yeah, it took a little bit of time to adjust, but... Um, I think probably maybe other players who, who played just football probably found it a little bit more difficult. In fairness, I had been playing camogie the whole time as well, so you're getting input from, from different managers all along. So you would be used to different dress rooms and different voices because of that. So maybe I found the transition a little bit easier than if you were just footballing. Um, I, I'd say if you were just footballing and you were after 11 years of the same kind of mantra, maybe it was a little bit unusual. But that said, look, everyone has their... Um, has their good points too and you know a bit of freshness as well can 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 be good for appetite and things like that so look it was a change but um, that's just the way that's the way football goes and it's not something anyone would have dwelled on for too long. You mentioned earlier now like as well that Eamon touched base with you a couple of years ago for, um, before some coaching conference would yeah. you have kept a lot of contact with Eamon since you stepped away from the Cork, the Cork panel? Um. Look, yeah, I suppose Eamon, you know, like that, probably more texting um, than anything else. And because Eamon was great, even though he'd always, he'd, he'd have the mobile phone up to, with one eye trying, squinting, trying to look at it and uh, that kind of thing. But he was actually always great. If you sent Eamon a text uh, or a message, you'd, you'd get the most fantastic uh, message back. Um, and like that, you know, the odd phone call or there might have been a reunion or a wedding or different things here and there. I suppose, as Rena said earlier on, I suppose the big shame is, you know, with the COVID and lockdown and all in this, we, we, we probably all didn't see Eamon or have as much contact with Eamon as we would have liked over the last number of months. Um, but just even as I mentioned earlier on the conference, you know, I was just saying it's just typical Eamon. You know, he went to speak at that conference, just the importance of, you know, coaching and working on the left and right and how it can work out um, and what a difference it can make. And rather than just going up and doing it, you know, he rang me just to make sure that I would be okay with it or him talking, using my name or speaking about how basically he was starting off how I had absolutely no right leg and uh, how probably he had um, helped me develop it. And, you know, it's just typical Eamon. He wouldn't just go off and do that. He'd have to make sure that you were okay with it and that you were all right with it. And, you know, he was such a gentleman and just so thoughtful Um and, you know, I suppose it is, as Rina said at the beginning, it, it's just hard to believe now that he's gone, you know, and we'll, we'll treasure all of the conversations and the texts and the memories that, that we've had with him over the years. Given the impact that Eamon had, Rena, do you think that Cork team would have been as, as successful under a different manager if Eamon ever came in back in 2004? 
Uh, like, sure, look, it's, it is impossible to tell, but um, look, you have to say there, there's no doubt that there was, there was good talent in, in Cork when, when Eamon was in charge. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, and I, I'm sure, you know, a number of managers would have certainly won, won at least, you know, an All-Ireland or, or a few All-Irelands. But I suppose the, the, the special thing about Eamon was um, how he managed to consistently win for so long. I mean, there's not many people would have managed to, to maintain, I suppose, people's attitudes and um, maintain the intensity of training at such a high level that Eamon did. And I think over that period, we, we developed hugely as footballers, you know. Um, so, like, the years went on and Eamon didn't, you know, sit back and, you know, look at all the things he do, he'd done. He was constantly trying to improve, constantly trying to, you know, develop the team further and develop us as, as players. And um, so I think there's, there's huge credit goes to him. I think probably a lot of managers would have won some All-Irelands, but look, while we don't know, you know, it was very, very special the way he was able to, to continue that success over a prolonged period. Before I finish up, I just want to ask, what's the legacy that Eamon Ryan leaves on, on ladies football, on, on Cork football, on, on football in general? Yeah, I suppose, look, I mean, he leaves a huge legacy behind him and just even the, the outpouring of emotion and the tributes paid to him over the last number of days, while, while it was a very difficult time for his family, I'm sure they will be, you know, they will have raised their spirits and they'll, they'll read back on a lot of those tributes and things that people have said about him. And um, the legacy he leaves, like, I suppose, you know, when Eamon started off, particularly in ladies football, um, you know, you know, ladies, I suppose, were known as ladies footballers, whereas Eamon would always have said to us, you're not lady footballers, you're footballers, first and foremost, you're athletes. And, you know, he kind of bought that element of equality, I suppose. He tried to, you know, bring the ladies on a par with the men's, which, which where it should be and where it rightfully, you know, it's kind of, I suppose, you know, um, gained momentum over the last number of years. Um, it, it's hard, I suppose it's hard to put into words the legacy that he's left behind. Um, but I'm sure, you know, that that anyone who has in, had any contact with Eamon or who has been lucky enough to play in a team with Eamon, um, you know, he'll never be forgotten. Irina, before I just come to you, Valerie Mulcahy wrote a lovely piece in The Examiner and one of her lines from that was, the greatest legacy any manager or coach can leave on the on is the part they play in shaping, moulding and developing the people they lead. Um, just on that, does that help sum up what Eamon Ryan was like on and off the field? Uh, absolutely. Um, definitely, yeah. I suppose, look, he had a huge influence on, on, on so many people, you know, be it from his, you know, his teaching days, his time in UCC. He's coached many teams, you know, in the Piershig, obviously in Watergrass Hill. He's coached Cork men's teams. Um, and I think we struck gold, really, because um, we, we probably... Eamon came, came upon the Cork Ladies football team and probably he had a lot of experience as a coach at that time, but his level of enthusiasm and energy hadn't dropped one iota. So we were lucky to have all that, all that expertise combined with, you know, a huge enthusiasm. And, you know, I, I, I think because of that, you know, he was able to influence us just a huge, huge amount. Um, without doubt, he developed us, us as footballers he developed us as athletes and I think he'll just have a, a lasting effect on, on each of us um, in, a, in a very positive way. Just as we were saying, like just how he carried himself, 
you know, that humility, that dignity, and that's kind of, you know, um, that, that pride he had in, in, in himself, in, in Cork, in football, in Gaelic games, in, you know, his use of Gaelga, just that kind of, just the way he carried himself, it was like I would have found it something kind of, you know, without losing the head, something of an inspiration, you know. Um, and it's, it's something that I, I'll never forget for the rest of my days. And I, I'm sure that, you know, all, all the, the girls would be thinking along the same lines that, you know, the influence that he had on all of us. You know, he's someone that we look up to. Um, and he, he's someone, well, I suppose, he, he had a lovely kind of um, kindness. And, you know, he was absolutely fantastic company. You know, you'd, if, we were, if we were celebrating, you'd love to sit next to him. He'd, um, he'd entertain all around him. Um, but I suppose more than that, he was like, he was, um, I suppose he was a, a fantastic coach and he was a lovely person to be around and just a, a hugely positive person to have in anyone's life. I heard you some aiming up as one in a million um, on Off the Ball uh, last week, Rena, which is a very fitting description of him. Thank you, Rena, and thank you, Nolik, so much for joining us on the Star Sport podcast this week. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Delighted now to be joined by Joe McCarthy to chat more about the, the late, great Eamon Ryan. Joe, we just heard there from Nolly Cleary and, and Rena Buckley about, about the great man in person and character that Eamon Ryan is. And in terms of football, though, and ladies' football in particular, how much did this one man transform the game? Well, um, well, obviously he set in, he set he set in place the foundations to build a dynasty, which hadn't happened in ladies football to the effect of you know Cork dominating, to the, winning eleven all earns, ten eleven all earns, whatever it was. But certainly, looking back and reading back about him, what he definitely did was, without actually announcing it and without stating it, he he started he he basically created an elite environment, an elite sporting environment within the Cork ladies structure. Their record prior to that, two thousand and four, was pretty dismal but what he did was he built he built a squad built a panel put in place an elite approach to ladies football pushed them beyond their limits um, they'd been used to the likes of Breed Stack Valerie Mulcahy uh, Nully Cleary all these players they'd been training with their clubs and there was quite a lot of rivalry between the clubs so there was a lot of good training going on but he stepped it up again and he stepped it up another level and he made it not just inter-county training, but he got the best out of his players by absolutely driving them to their absolute limit. And probably his best trait was his ability to get to know his players. It's something I spoke to Parish Corkery about for this week's Southern Star. He was more interested in the player wearing the Cork red jersey, the red jersey of Cork rather than what they did out in the pitch. Obviously, he wanted to win and he wanted a winning environment. But if he didn't take the time to get to know the people that he was selecting and choosing and dropping as things as time went on, I'm not sure any of this. I think Cork still would have been very successful, but for the length of time they were, I'm not so sure. So he built very, very slowly. Even when they were losing in the early days, they won a Munster, but they lost in All-Ireland. Then they started winning All-Ireland, started winning leagues. He was seeing incremental improvements, even though the players might not have seen it themselves. And his training was quite straightforward, quite rudimentary. It might have seen a bit basic to some player, people looking back now, but he knew that if those players couldn't do the basics as good as they were and as talented as they were, if you couldn't do the basics better than the opposition, none of this was going to work. But he pushed players to the absolute limit and beyond. And he also, they went off on holidays to Spain and, and to Portugal and different places like this, but they weren't holidays, sorry, they were holiday destinations, but they were elite training camps. And when I look back now 
as warm and as lovely a person as he was, and you know as well as I do, Kieran, what a nice person he was on the pitch and away from the pitch. His ability to see ahead and his ability to get players of immense talent to buy into his thinking and to to build the Cork squad with a lot of rivalries and a lot of cliques at the very beginning and break all those down over a period of years is the reason Cork Ladies football was as successful as it was. Like you mentioned there, George, there's so many different elements and strengths to Eamon Ryan, the manager. Um, he led Cork to 10 All-Irelands in 11 years. There was the 10 Munster Championships, the nine national leagues. Like He created, molded and, and guided that great Cork team. And that great Cork team helped put ladies football on the map. I was mentioning on the Southern Star podcast earlier this week as well that back in 2004 when Eamon Ryan came in as Cork ladies football manager, it was mentioned in a little pocket in the bottom left-hand corner of the Southern Star. And you go forward all these years later, where ladies football now gets front-page coverage after All-Ireland football finals. The Cork ladies football team has got superb coverage in all the local newspapers across um, across Cork. I think obviously the Star have given great coverage. The Echo have given superb coverage over the years as well. And you can trace all that back to that great Cork team that was led by Eamon Ryan. Absolutely. And I think what, probably the biggest gift, if you want to call it that, that he gave uh, Cork Ladies Football and Ladies Football was re- respect. The, the record that he had, the trophies that they won, earned respect. And I mentioned as well uh, last week, uh, I was on another podcast, and I mentioned, I said, of all the trophies and accolades that this Cork group, group of players, fantastic group, uh, received, probably the RTE Sports Team of the Year Award. I think it was 2014. I hope I'm right, Brad, 2014. But when they won it, that was a national voted award. People voted for that around the country. And the Cork Camogie team were in there too around that time, to be fair to them. But the Irish rugby team were in there. The Irish soccer team were in there. And the general public voted for this group of players because they had earned the respect for, for what they had achieved, but also for the manner in which they achieved it. What a team. What a team of talent. You, could, you just have to list off the team and the players that he came across that he, he developed and he get, had success with. But how honest were they? How, what a team in so far as you'd never seen any of them coming out in the press giving out, giving, saying something that they shouldn't have. You'd never, very rarely were there red cards involved. And when they were, they were pretty controversial to be fair to them. They were a very fair team, a very sporting team as well. And that was his ethos from day one. Yeah, we're going to be hard. Yeah, we're going to win, but we're going to do it the right way. So, Putting ladies football on the map was not an easy thing back in 2004. Still isn't nowadays. You have to be successful to do so. But as you said, and I've been looking back through the archives as well, even when they won the first Munster final in 2004 and they, they beat Kerry, having beaten Waterford in the semi-final, Cork had never won a Munster title up to then. Ladies, they hadn't won anything. To do that, it got, it got a bit of coverage, but it was only after a period of time, I think it was Jim O'Sullivan, I think it was Mary White, um, and also the Southern Star and the regional newspapers like the Southern Star started to take a bit of notice. Because when they won the first All-Ireland, when Mayo were at their peak with Cora Staunton, who was probably the best player, ladies football player out there, and remains one of the all-time greats, were at their peak, Cork got the better of them. And they got the better of Galway. And they got the better of Armagh. And they got the better of teams that were at their peak. And they built a dynasty on the right foundations. Honest, hard work ethic, team ethic. Nobody got above their station inside that dressing room with them. But what Eamon Ryan has, an instant gained instant respect in his dressing room from the players that he would lead to those successes, but also helped ladies football build the foundations for respect, not just by winning the trophies, but the way in which they conducted themselves on and off the pitch and the way in which I think they were, they were probably the first proper ambassadors, and I don't mean to be rude to Mayo or Galway or any teams around that time, 
But that Cork team has so many characters. Breach Corkery, Valerie McCahey, Nully Cleary, Elaine Hart, well able to talk, well able to get their point across. And I think people warmed to them as time went on because they could see this isn't just another ladies football team. This is the ladies football team. And look at, this, look at the elite level that they're challenging people to, to meet them at now in the bar. And what he did to finish the point, he set the bar. Eamon Ryan set the bar for the Cork team and they had to keep measuring up to it and so did the rest of the country and in doing so the rest of the country and beyond took notice of ladies football Eamon Ryan's legacy on the field we've, we've heard about it in the media the last couple of days we've read some of the, the beautiful pieces and tributes to him like his legacy is exceptional on the field but off the field as much too I think what struck me Jor, is his former players coming out speaking so glowingly of him, like the love that they have for Eamon Ryan is absolutely incredible. And anyone who got to meet him or deal with him over the years kind of appreciate just how kind and gentle a man he was. Obviously, he has that steely determination and steely interior too that he needed to drive this Cork team on. But you were very fortunate to be sitting beside him at a Donnie's ladies um, football dinner. Um, I think it was 2019, or was it even early last year? I'm not too sure. Well, it's not, uh, yeah. Sorry, I, was, I, I made a mistake. I think it was two years ago and I was corrected by my wife. That says where my memory is going, Karen. It was back in uh, early uh, 2019 in the Donnie's uh, GA dinner dance uh, in the Park Hotel. And thankfully uh, for him and for me, we were sitting next to each other. So he just talked to him, not for my wife. But we were talking pretty much ladies football the whole night. But uh, just, uh, you make a very good point about the person rather than the coach. The whole night we spoke on and off. All he was doing was uh, he had a list of players in his head that he wanted to be, he read interviews that we had done in the Southern Star and he was saying, how is that person? What's she doing now? Where is she going? Did she, did she qualify? Did she get that? Like he knew all about them and he was kind of quizzing me then just to say, well, why didn't you ask? <laughs> you know, fair point. And journalism, why didn't you ask all these questions? But therein, again, he wanted, he, he, if anyone ever wanted to pick up the phone, we've heard Valerie Mulcahy talking about it and we wrote, Breach Cork, we wrote, speaks very lo- lovingly uh, of him in this week's Southern Star as well that she picked up the phone, she was doing a training session or looking to get fit. Who's the person she rang or she texted? Eamon. And she would ring and text and he would give his time. He would be helpful to, 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 to the absolute degree, nth degree. Like there's nothing he wouldn't do for players or for sisters or for cousins or relations. And he'd always remember and he'd always text and he'd always follow up as well. And he had this just this lovely warmth and way about him. And when you consider he was soft, like he had cancer, and he had it for quite, he had it uh, at two different stages. Like, you never knew it with him. And I mean, I made, I was lucky, just fortunate enough, um, I rang him uh, coming up to the All-Ireland final just before Christmas. And I hadn't talked to him in a while. And I just rang him on, on a whim one evening. And I just said, look, first, I'm not looking for an interview. I'm just checking in to see how are you, how are you getting on? And he wasn't in great shape, but he still wanted to talk. And what he wanted to talk about was what way were Cork going to set up, who were the players, and straight away, what are they doing? Isn't so-and-so working there now and all this? So up right up to the end he had a love and a passion and an interest in ladies in the Cork ladies football setup and I think that's from a lifetime and it's if you read Mary, Mary White's book Relentless uh, I think says it best he gave so much of his time to that, that group of players um, because he could see what they were going to achieve but he wanted to and he wanted to make them better and he had a way about him he could say something to a player without being nasty and without being smart but the message would be understood telling Valerie Mulcahy, did you see the gooch there last week? See the way he kicked those three points? And she would say, all right, he's having a go here now because I missed three chances last week. I better go out and practice. Same with Breeze inside the dressing room, standing up to her and shrugging his shoulders, saying, come on, come on, boy, come on, come on, calling her a boy. And she kind of was a bit ticket to start, but then realised, no, this fella is telling me I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but he's doing it in a nice way. He's not calling me up and pointing at and shouting. And you never heard him shout. You never heard him shout. No, he'd get angry. 
but only if he was defending his players, if he felt they'd been slighted. He always stood up for his players. And one of the things he hated about being a manager was having to tell someone that they were dropped or they didn't make it. It was the one thing he didn't like to do, but he did it because he was a manager and he assumed the role and understood the role. But you're right. How many times have we interviewed managers who've been under pressure, who've not done so well and have done well? There always somebody somewhere has something nasty or something smart ass to say about them because they might have wronged them. Not one. Not one player. Even the players that were dropped by Eamon, for whatever reasons, have anything bad to say about him. And that's his greatest legacy, that he could be such a successful manager, but also retain the human side of him as a coach and the warmth and the generosity and do so much for people off the pitch. We'll never see the likes of it again, ever. Lovely words, Ger. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And Kieran, before we wrap things up, you might just give another reminder of the special feature that we have in this week's Southern Star, which of course will be out on Thursday morning. Yeah, we have a special feature featuring 21 of West Cork's rising young sports stars under the age of 21. And this is always one of my favourite features of the year because it's just shown that it was the breadth and variety of talent that is in West Cork sport right now. So it's from right across the entire West Cork region, from G8 soccer to road bowling to rowing to motorsport, you name it, it's there. Um, it's a really, really enjoyable feature to write every year. Um, it's going to cross five pages in this week's Southern Star. So from that alone, you can see it's a pretty big one. And I just want to thank Clone and Milk here because they've come on board with us to to help sponsor this feature and it shows their, I suppose their, um, their commitment to promoting young sport across the region as well. So big thanks to Clona Big there, but it's a, it's a great read. You're going to see the next generation of West Cork sport and talent and hopefully, and I'm certain we're going to read a lot more about these young men and women over the coming months and years. Lovely stuff, Kieran. As I mentioned, that will be in shops across West Cork and beyond from Thursday morning. But if you can't make it to the shops, you can always jump onto our website and subscribe to the digital edition. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than €2 per week. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back next week. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And we leave the final word this week to Eamon Ryan. Ah, it's great, like, you know, but like, I suppose it's like, everybody says the next one is the best one, like, you know, so you're never kind of happy, you know. I think if you're not nervous, you won't perform or your players won't perform. I think it's, it's part of the thing. At this level, the enjoyment is when it's over, you know. There's actually no great enjoyment before or during. No, still you wouldn't, you wouldn't like not to be there. But there isn't enjoyment or fun as such. That's that's when it's over.
No, I stress you, you still want to be there, like, you know, and go through the agony, but it's when it's over that the fun and enjoyment is. I know whether that makes sense or not. And it's very, it's very transitory. It's gone and it's gone to quarter of an hour, like, you know. Don't give up to the sober, but it doesn't do him.